You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Happy Tuesday. And I want to thank many of you already for signing up for Philly because we're going east. We're going way, way east. It's 2,000-plus miles from here to the Redwood Philly event. It's a long it's a, way it's from a here. Long, there will be a lot of driving Dude. in our cars of the past. We're very excited. But we're doing that dinner the night before the Redwood event in Philly. And it's an all-inclusive thing, alcohol and everything. We've got our own room. It's going to be really, really cool. Mandy set up an awesome evening. And many of you guys have already signed up. Thank you. If you want to join us, we would love to see you that night because, of course, we'll be at Radwood the next day as well. We now have an auto parts partnership with CarParts.com. CarParts.com is the smarter way to shop for auto parts. Their fast, mobile-friendly experience makes it easy to shop for the parts you need when you need them. Just enter the year, make, and model of your vehicle, start shopping, and start saving. It really is that simple. CarParts.com stocks their own inventory, cutting out the middleman and passing the savings on to you, and they're offering even more savings for our audience. Whether you've been in a collision, working on your project car, or need to catch up on maintenance, visit CarParts.com slash EverydayDriver for 10% off of $100 or more on select brands. Get the right parts right now at CarParts.com. We've got a great topic Tuesday from Robert G. in Wyoming. Robert's a friend of the show. He's a patron as well. And he actually invited us uh, back in 2019 mm-hmm. to come to the University of Wyoming in Laramie to speak to his graduate class. So we spoke to an undergrad class initially about YouTube. Mm-hmm. And there was a mixed reaction to the undergrads. Most, half the class was bored and uh-huh. looking at their phones, but the other half was actually kind of interested, had some great questions. Makes me appreciate modern teachers immensely because uh, yeah, of the number sure. of times you're standing sure. there looking at an auditorium, people who are being lit from below by their phone while they do not pay attention to you whatsoever. <laughs> That's chin and their necks lit up yes, by their exactly. phone. But uh, yeah, Robert had us out, and then we talked to his graduate class, mainly from a business perspective. So it wasn't necessarily about cars. It was, <laughs> how have you done what you've done, mm-hmm. and where were your expectations, where we come, where we see things going? And uh, that was, yeah, like I said, back in it 2019. crazy. What made me laugh is a graduate-level business class, and you and I are coming in there going, yeah, everything you've been told to do, we didn't do a lot of that. We just, yeah, exactly. we're, we're guys that like cars. Well, we built a brand. You're yeah. right. They had applied steps uh-huh. from you know crafting business plans uh-huh. to you know thinking things through. We're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. We, we were a couple of idiots that decided we liked cars and wanted to do a car show. And then eventually it became a brand, which is what we wanted. But it wasn't like we sat down and we had our plan. Right. You know, right. The plan was to be a TV show and then nobody wanted to buy it. And we wound up on YouTube by accident. I mean, it's a weird <laughs> thing, but thank God we're here. Thank God you guys are here. We're really glad to have you with us as always. Well, Rob writes to us, With an identity crisis, Mm -hmm. he said at the end of February, he bought a new 2021 Mercedes-AMG GLA 45. This marked a number of firsts for him. First automatic transmission he's bought himself. The first CUV since he bought a new five-speed Suzuki Sidekick back in 95. Wow. When his life revolved around camping and mountain biking and off-road activities. But he's had Miatas. He's owned four NB Miatas, including a rare 2003 (laughs) Club Sport Pontiac Solstices. Solstai. Solstai. Yes. Solsti. Solstai. Yes, there you go. Porsche 944 S2, C7 Grand Sport, and a 2017, 2017 Fiesta ST used as the winter beater. But he bought this AMG GLA 45 somewhat spontaneously during his first real trip anywhere outside Laramie during COVID. Okay. 
He said he stopped at a bookstore and there was a Mercedes dealer next door <laughs> and he went home with the AMG. Uh-huh. Yeah. Of course he did. Yeah. Just stumbled in there, met the car, <laughs> said, I want to take you home, got home. I want to know, Rob, what you didn't include here is the conversation with your minister of finance when you got home. Hmm. You bought a brand new car without her is what it sounds like. And you Maybe arrived he was on the phone to her? with a brand new car. Hi, here I am. <laughs> Brought this while I was away. We yeah. liken this to you know relationships happening after you meet someone at a bar that sure. you just happen to wander into because you were thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> I like cars. That's a Mercedes dealer. Oh, look, I'll take that home. Exactly. Yeah. So here's Rob's dilemma, and it's led to many questions. The topic Tuesday, he says, first, in coming to terms with his new life as a non-manual CUV owner, something he never expected himself ever to be, it's led him to ask himself who am I? He's mm. questioning everything mm. about his car enthusiasm, his car enthusiast life. Is he a sports car enthusiast or has he turned to the dark side of owning a CUV, <laughs> which is just one small step for an SUV? You're being really hard on yourself here, Rob. Yeah, you are. Anyway. And is this a slippery slope to boredom? Mm. Can he be a sports car enthusiast and still live with himself for having chosen a CUV like this on a whim? Or should he regard this as a bad decision after a night of heavy drinking when he finds himself in a strange apartment with someone he doesn't know? Huh, where are my pants? <laughs> <laughs> should he embrace the convenience of a vehicle coupled with its performance? He says, which is awesome. Near 400 horsepower from a two liter is truly addictive. Yeah, yes, absolutely. That's why yeah. we love that thing. Mm -hmm. Recognizing not only is it okay to own such a car, but accept that it might be the future of his performance automobiles. Mm. The performance CUV. And that got him thinking, what is a CUV? What could it be? How might it evolve as a performance car? And he's an academic, so he says once he's hit by such thoughts, he had to do a little research. And he found some articles. <laughs> <laughs> well researched, Rob. Good job, buddy. Good. Well done. <laughs> he says he found Motorman reviewing this car rather compellingly, asking if it's a modern performance car. Tracing the evolution that's changed over the decades and then arguing this might be today's truth. Mm. But he's got more questions. What is the next step for this CUV? This is like an existential problem. Here. Yes, he, he's absolutely having an existential crisis. No question at all. Yeah. Wow. What should it be in the market? Because CUVs are in an awkward place. Macan GTSs or his car, they're not SUVs. Mm -hmm. That's Cayenne. Mm -hmm. Because they're often too small. They're not a car, though. They're not an off-roader. He wouldn't take that camping. It's too nice. He wouldn't sure. beat up the sure, rims. Yeah. Yeah, Even yeah. if you put... You know, steelies on it and giant tires, you still probably wouldn't take it. So what could a CUV evolve into that would define their place? One would be to make it the ultimate off-road sports car. Is that the future? He found a road and track article to that effect. Mm -hmm. And then the CUV, is it by extension unibody SUV? Is this the natural evolution of cars as they should have been before Harley Earl took us down the dead-end path of long, low, sleek sedans that now seem to be dying out? Mm. Because That's they're fighting words. Okay. Yeah, yeah. they're two-box designs. Mm-hmm. And that seemed to be the future. He says, think Chrysler Airflow of cars at one point and maybe should have been. But Rob writes, maybe we were distracted when Harley crossed a mule with a thoroughbred and ended up that something that looked like a racehorse or a spaceship and then turned out to have too limited utility to dominate the breed, even though it had a good run. Hmm. So, wow. Okay. Deep thoughts here, Rob. Rob is conflicted. He is for sure. So is it really a car? Is it the evolution of a car as we knew them through the late 50s to the early 2000s before SUVs dominated the market? Or is it just a doomed branch in the car family tree? Wow. <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> Rob, like, this is great stuff, man. Like this the is really Neanderthal good. was to humans. <laughs> so he turns to literature and he found a Haggerty article just on that. 
So the topic Tuesday, after all that, is this. Can the CUV be a performance car? Mm. Is the performance CUV the natural future of performance cars? And by extension, what is the eventual place for CUVs in the performance pantheon? Or is it a place where they should die out or be exterminated and impure and impractical, impractical evolutions of the car? Or should we engage in auto eugenics for the good of the order? (laughs) (laughs) Or should we just accept that the car-based chassis was always the natural evolution of the car and that we enthusiasts who resist, in reality, are really doomed? Fighting the irresistible force of nature. Good grief, Rob. I practically need to sit down. Is there, is there going to be a test? I think, there's, I think there is going to be a there's test. going to be a pop quiz I'm later. Be, yeah, I'm definitely going to be quizzed and I'm not going to do well. Rob, this is fascinating because you, you have accidentally bought a car and you've accidentally stumbled into something that Paul and I have talked about a lot. I'm going to bring up a piece that we did on TV and is now on YouTube. And that is the Mercedes GLS AMG 63 mm-hmm. versus the Hellcat Durango. Good. Okay. Two trucks. I mean, you pull those aren't, aren't even CUVs. Those are SUVs. They are full on trucks. They are seven seaters. Well, the Durango is technically six, but they're seven seaters. They have all wheel drive. You could take this off road running gear. The GLS has bounce mode, bouncy bounce mode, which we took through a McDonald's because we thought it was funny. It's intended to get it's you out of sand funny. and mud. It's sand funny mud. About- exactly for sure. So you know, the Hellcat is based on the Durango chassis, which is was essentially supposed to be an off road family SUV, and now has that bomb of a motor in it. Mm-hmm. And one of the big points we made there, and I remember us discussing that on set, and then we discussed it in the piece, and it's come up in some of the questions, and it relates to exactly what you're talking about, Rob. I think as the world chases ridiculous horsepower, unusable horsepower, as we get into electrics, all the numbers have commas in them, okay? Mm-hmm. As we're chasing crazy, crazy power, and the thing that's supposed to make this version better than the last version is it's more powerful. I kind of think that belongs in these big-bodied things. I think that that the pursuit of evermore, I can't believe this defied physics, we should leave that to these big, crazy, do-everything haulers and let them have the horsepower war. If, in trade-off, we can get back, you've owned multiple, Rob, MB Miatas, we can get back to simple, cheap, doesn't need to be fast. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. the pursuit of ever faster has kind of ruined the purity of sports cars. It's very rare to find something that is really balanced in power and, and isn't, isn't crazy heavy and is nice to actually operate like a little sports car was intended to be. It's hard to find that because, well, but it's got to have more power in the last version, which means it's got to be bigger in the last version, which has got to be heavier. That's SUVs. Yeah. So I think having these SUVs have this power frees up the market to have a focused sports car. And the other thing going on is the thing you bought, and we've said it many times before, and is the Macan and other things, they're just hatchbacks. It's just nobody buys hatchbacks. Mm -hmm. We have to have a little bit of a lift on it because it's the ever-escalating war of who has the highest ride height. So if you drive a Lotus Elise like me, you end up looking at the rear differential of the truck in front of you at a stoplight. I've done this many times and been boggled. Nobody wants to sit low. Everybody wants to see. Yeah. So let's take a hatchback. The, the GLA is a hatchback. It's the Mercedes Golf. The Macan is the, is the Volkswagen, I mean, pardon me, is the Porsche Golf. We, yeah. We yeah. jack them up a little bit. Now they're CUVs. They're, not, they're hatchbacks. You bought a hatchback, Rob. Congratulations. Rob, I'm still blown away by your question, by your thought process. But what if you hadn't bought that AMG? You wouldn't have arrived at these questions. You wouldn't be soul searching and questioning your very existence as an enthusiast. (laughs) 
because it's easy to these days. As a matter of fact, just before this podcast, Todd and I were again bringing up autonomy. Mm -hmm. And have you noticed, have you all noticed that many people are talking less about autonomy? Oh, that's a fair point. Yeah. That's so 2018. (laughs) And by that, I mean, humankind tried it, went headlong down that path, went really far, proved that (laughs) things can happen and we can do it. Found it. It was hard and scary. (laughs) Don't go near there. (laughs) Ran into some problems. (laughs) And have backed off to the point where electric cars are still talked about, but they're not discussed in the same breath as electric cars equal autonomy. You're, it used to be synonymous. People talk Correct. about electric cars. It must be autonomous at the same time. Those Correct. have di- They're divergent now. You're absolutely right. It's a great point. It's almost like an electric car that you can drive and Weird. have control over. Weird. Well, that's an interesting thought. <laughs> and also, companies in general have talked less about it there, there's less newsworthy items about look how far we're coming along mm. with our autonomous mm-hmm. code stack yeah because it's still way out there nevertheless you're asking about enthusiasm and that kind of conversation that i'm talking about kills the enthusiasm in me mm. i think oh man what if what if it's around the corner it's not i come back to everything todd and mm. i have discussed mm. And it reinforces my belief where it's not because when you're doing auto self-driving in the Tesla beta full self-driving mode, which I just did over the weekend in a friend's vehicle, everybody is so much more hyper aware than they usually are when they're just naturally driving because you're judging the car and therefore judging the code stack. I would have been over a little bit more in in the lane. I would have been over an inch. Ooh, we were too close to that passing car. I wouldn't have gone that fast. The car hesitates when it's pulling out. Mm, It can't park itself. Mm. You can't really summon it. It doesn't really work. It's still a little squirrely, and it didn't know that that was a pothole, so thanks for wrecking my suspension. That kind of, it's there. Mm -hmm. And so I came away from driving my friend's car. Or not driving is the case. Or not driving, exactly. (laughs) But I still had to give the steering wheel a little squeeze, and then I'd squeeze it a little bit too much and turn the system off. I mean, it's like a featherweight of like, oops, I turned it off again. Dang it. So I came away, you know, you start to question yourself, just like you're starting to question yourself by buying the CUV. I'm going to back up. Because if this continues, it's like dog breeds. You've got a mutt. Todd, you have a mutt. I own a couple of mutts. They are both very different dogs. They're great dogs. Mm -hmm. They are. Mm -hmm. From a car perspective, over the years, everything started with packaging people. Forget Mm -hmm. your stuff. Mm -hmm. It's all about how human beings sit in the vehicle. Well, imagine what cars would look like if we all stood. True. The passenger compartment merely encloses over the tops of our heads and around our bodies... This is where we go in the car. If we're ahead of the axle, like the Volkswagen bus, if we're in the middle, Mm -hmm. if we're towards the back with a long GT car, where are the human beings in that car? And then how are they sitting or standing? What if they're laying flat? What a great idea for a future autonomous car. Mm. People fully laying flat. The nap pod. (laughs) The nap car. (laughs) Okay, interesting. Autonomy is going to have to be perfect for us to fall asleep and lay flat in a 
bed. The Tesla nap. <laughs> exactly. Lay down with us. You climb yeah. in and it's, you know, two feet off the ground. Mm-hmm. That's what car designers want to sketch. <laughs> right? Talk about a skateboard platform. We're just going to lie <laughs> down on that. lay on it. Perfect. Yes. And put a sheet over the top of us. <laughs> Call it a day. <laughs> We're good, right? Brought to you by Purple. <laughs> anyway. It's a collaboration between Tesla and North Face. It's like the tent on top of <laughs> Nice. Good. Well done. Yes. <laughs> so... Now, as human beings sit upright in the car from McLarens and Lamborghinis and Ferraris, and then they sit even more upright to Porsches, and then GR86, and then they sit even more upright into trucks, all those varying degrees Mm. determine the shape of the car. Sure. Then designers and engineers need to add the stuff. What is it going to carry? Okay, this one's going to design to tow your house, and Mm -hmm. it needs to carry huge things, heavy things. Okay, it's a pickup truck. So for a CUV... (laughs) <laughs> this is now what people are buying because it's easy to get into yep. and you're sitting mostly yep. upright. And that's pretty much what we've arrived at as comfortable. Mm-hmm. And this is why car designs have evolved to this. They didn't. Well, I mean the articles that you found actually show modern CVs up against cars of the thirties, mm-hmm. Chrysler airflows. Like you said, mm-hmm. they were similar in size as, as far as people sitting upright but that's not always beautiful. That's not the most beautiful shape. And then we have to start dealing with where's the weight in the in the car, whether it's electric, the batteries, and the engine, wherever that is, we have to start dealing with those things. And so mm-hmm. things have evolved to where the most comfortable seating position is, the most visible, combined with the right amount of space. Mm-hmm. The bigger ones that, Todd, you suggested carry more people in space. Mm-hmm. They're bigger. And so now they have to get sexier looking. But now all all cars can be made to do incredible things. Yeah. By yeah. virtue of the performance parts that are out there and AMG tuning a, a vehicle and Porsche tuning a vehicle, holy cow, they can be made to do amazing things. For sure, yeah. So it will continue to evolve because it's going we're now at the place where the CUV is perfect. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's perfect it does all for the road things. trip. It does all the things. There's people we're comfortable. We can mm-hmm. see. We can have our necks lit up by our phones because we're <laughs> staring at them. Yep. Great. But the future of vehicles is going to be people, enthusiasts, demanding, I want something that's good to drive. Hopefully. I'm willing to yeah. compromise my perfectly upright seating position, very comfortable to... I'm leaning back quite a ways. What's that joke I've made before where CUVs are built for you to just stop walking? You just, you're walking along, yes. and now you're seated. There's not really a yeah. down into anything. I, yes. I have all these sports cars I get down into. There's none of that going on. I also think it's interesting. But to, that's a priority. Yeah, absolutely. That's a customer absolutely. priority right there. And and it also is, it comes from the reality of, I need to see. I need to see what's going on mm-hmm. in front of me. And that, that leads to bigger. But I also think about, as we started talking about all this, Rob, I started thinking about the progression of cars away from horses, and then cars okay. back to horses. I'll get there in a minute. Okay. But cars away from horses and how that was affected culturally. Because if you think about the cars, especially in the U.S., the cars of the 20s and 30s, they look very influenced by wagons. Wagons was – look, think, picture the Old West wagon, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the Wells Fargo Old West wagon, okay? And now picture the line of horses out front. Now draw a shape over that. Well, the line of horses out front is that big straight eight. 
Yeah. And then the, the Wells Fargo funny. shape at the back is the big cab because everybody was sitting upright. The Wells Fargo shape. So it just becomes, if you look at the cars of the 20s, that's what they are. They've got the huge straight eight that has all the horses providing the horsepower to move us forward. And then they have a cab that looks quite a bit like wagon technology. We're all Duesenbergs. And the, and the <laughs> wheels looked like a variant of a big wagon wheel. Funny. But now jump to this. If you're in Europe... They didn't have big wagons like that, really. I mean, like the rich did, like the queens did. But generally, you had like a small little carriage that took you places with one horse. Mm. So they created kind of mid-sized cars. Now go to Asia, where they had rickshaws. And they created tiny cars, tiny cars for their world. Now we've become global. So we're making cars that are going to theoretically work everywhere. Why are Japanese cars massive now? Look Look at the Hondas from the 80s. They're toy cars. Yeah. The U.S. is making land yacht. They made toy cars. So we had all these cultural influences that built what the car is. And now everybody's merged. Culture has merged. The internet has merged everybody. Culture has merged into one thing that serves everybody. And what does it look like? It's a lifted hatchback. It's a <laughs> it's, CUV. It's your car. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I want to encourage you, Rob, because there's nothing wrong with you being a car enthusiast. And you've bought a tool for the job. You've bought a nice, luxurious, easy-to-drive, surprisingly powerful do-it-all. Yeah. But you still like all your small sports cars. And this leads me back to horses. I know it sounds weird. I've said it before. Folks, all of you that love cars, we are the new horse lovers. We are. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about this, in the late 1900s, leading into the early 1900s, you had a horse to get places. Everybody in the family... If you had a horse, knew how to saddle the horse. The horse was used to go True. places. And with the way gas prices are right now, we're probably you may going wish back you had to your horses. horse back. Yeah, exactly. So, but then that became the family car. And now, since the family car has taken over, we all, everybody listening, probably knows somebody that has a horse, or you know somebody that knows somebody that has a horse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things you don't know about horses unless you own one. I could I walk up and saddle a horse? Probably not. Do I know how to do the bridle and get it ready and feed it and care for it? Not really. But if you own a horse, you're a horse person. Hmm. Those people have horses and they take the time and they actually spend the money. And that's the hole that they throw their money down to have a horse because they like the horse experience. They no longer need it for transport. We're headed there eventually. I don't think next week, but we're headed there eventually with cars. That those of us that like the Lotus Elise, the Miata, the 86, the small, lightweight, Mm -hmm. doesn't have a purpose other than to be driven for fun. We're going to still own those. We're going to have the roads we take them on and the garage we store them in. And we're going to have friends who are going to be like, you have one of those? <laughs> I don't remember the last person who had one of those. Just like yeah. a horse. We're headed there. And in the meantime, we're all going to be in incredibly capable CUVs because the shape works. Please tell me you didn't buy silver, Rob, but you probably did. Shape works. <laughs> and then it can be autonomous. It can be electric. It's just it's a general shape that is successful. And I think crazy power goes to these so I can have my lightweight, not powerful, fun thing and be a horse owner. Yeah. Rob, just because you want this car to be useful to you doesn't mean it should be boring. And that's mm-hmm. why all these tuning companies... BMW, just the recent news of them consuming Alpina cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally, after 30-plus years That's of Alpina being around. AMG, the AMG Mercedes story was the same story, exactly just right. faster. Exactly right. I love that they're still thinking about that. And that purchase gives all of us hope. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to be willing to compromise how we squeeze our bodies into the small sports car. Hopefully, <laughs> it's still somewhat comfortable. But we're going to be willing. That's 
further down on the list. Whereas when you buy that CUV, that's top priority. I just want to walk up, open the door, and yep. sit down. I want to open the hatch while I'm still st- exiting yeah. my house. But why shouldn't mm-hmm. that also be fast? And the cool part is, like I said, with all the ways to tune an object, mm. you can make that car-shaped object go really fast yes, and corner really well, yep. and that is cool. Mm-hmm. And you can still be an enthusiast and enjoy it, knowing that's not the end-all, be-all for you as an mm. enthusiast. You still have sports cars and sports car love. Great. And you do those sports car things, but what if you want that sports car feeling and you got to take family and you know what? You got to pick up stuff from the store and I need a bit of space. Okay. That is perfectly okay. So owning an SUV, owning any car in no way negates all of our enthusiasm. You don't even have to own an enthusiast car (laughs) or a car (laughs) or a car. You're right to be an enthusiast because there's also people out there who are horse people and they might not own a horse. Yes. They go, Couldn't they, that exist? Absolutely. Well, they go and they rent a horse now and then. They have a buddy's horse that they actually, you know what? I'll I'll pay pay you a little bit and I'll ride your horse now and then. Or you'll go to the stables and you'll just you'll rent one of their horses. I know people that do that. I know people in L A that do that. Yeah, true, true. Hopefully, there will be more cars than horses by the time we get to what the picture we're painting mm-hmm. reveals. But you understand the idea. We'll still have those sports cars. And yes, I love that you brought up the big heavy trucks and and SUVs. Yeah. Let's have the small, lightweight cars. We're forcing our bodies into it. It's a little bit smaller around us. That's what we like. Mm-hmm. We're squeezed in there, but that way, you know, the car is squeezing us through the corners and, you know, gripping us. And, you know, you can really extract the maximum driving potential out of that thing. Because for sports cars, it's got to be low to the ground and handle well and do fun things on track for yeah, it to yeah, sell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can't have the same standards. But we're continually going to see more and more niche cars as people's lifestyles evolve, where Mm. they live, Mm -hmm. how they live. We've already seen it as the result of the pandemic. People aren't going back to work. If you don't have to go to a place for work and you're not forced to, you know, if you're an educator, you know, at a university or a college or a school, sure. But if you can work from home, many people have discovered this. That's changing. That's Mm -hmm. why the housing market has been upended and that's changing people's outlook. And that's why many of you are writing a debate. Guys, our lives changed. Totally. We yep. don't need this car, mm-hmm. but now I want a fun car because it's my horse. I'm only going to drive for fun. I don't have yeah. to drive to the office. But that yeah. is hope because mm, that's interesting. maybe more horses will be produced by these car companies. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. We're making horses. I like this. This is good. Yeah. And that's where sales are. That's still interesting. Track driving and fun driving will still be absolutely relevant. It's not like, well, I guess people are driving less. We don't need that road anymore. Let's turn it back into a mountain. Uh, no, the road's there. Let's just leave it there. Okay. All right. Know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Well, I'm also thinking about go-karts. Go-karts have no reason to exist. They have no reason to exist. <laughs> you, you don't use them for transport. That's a good point. They, they, you don't use them for transport. They can't go on actual roads. Anytime you need to go anywhere, go-karts are relevant, useless. There are entire businesses built around, come grant a go-kart. Why? Because it's fun. Yeah. Because it's very fun. I mean, this there, there's going to be nuance here. And you and I were talking earlier about the fact that I think what's going to happen, and I, I fully believe this, we're not going to have some light switch moment where we're all in autonomous electric pods. Mm-mm. We're going to see over, I think, the rest of our lifetime, we're going to see layers of this. If you're more in a city area, it's going to be more autonomous and more EV. If you're more the in the test country. The bed. <laughs> exactly. just, just lay down and exactly. this floating pod will take you to Ooh. your wherever. <laughs> 
Hang on to your phone. You got to stare at your phone still. Exactly. But you can stare at your phone while laying down. It'll be, be like great. a gooseneck arm, so you can lay flat. And so you have to lift. So you don't have to your carry face. your phone because that starts to hurt your exactly. arm. You got to hang it in something. It's we'll gonna be perfect. Cheetos in your face. Anyway, everybody's seen Wally, and we're all envisioning exactly. that now. It's terrifying. <laughs> but but I think we're gonna have layers. We're gonna have roads where that lane over there is an autonomous EV, and that lane there is just EV. Is and this lane over here is us dinosaurs using dinosaur juice to drive down the road. Right. Right. I'm encouraged by the future because cars will continue to evolve. We, they've evolved to get back to the CUV. They've gone from mm-hmm. you know one box, two box, three box shape. They're going to be, that's not really a box. That's a different shape. Bodies, humans still fit in that. Mm. That's cool. But look, it's fun to drive. Whatever the future SUVs and huge horsepower. Trucks don't need that huge vertical front end, but it looks cool. You could divide the radiator up. It doesn't have to be as big as a Peterbilt or Kenworth radiator. It doesn't have to be that big. That's the whole reason for a giant front end is because of the radiator. Mm. When electric trucks happen, it's just a styling exercise at yeah, this point. You're right. You're right. Just because yeah. it's cool looking. Mm-hmm. Do Bugatti Veyron thinking we divided the car up into 11 different radiator zones. Sure. And they're all yeah. small little radiators and you know what I mean? So it doesn't you have to have bring, a huge You could bring thing. the driver down to CUV height, too. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, we're down here with everybody else. They're not going to want that, but it could possibly it could happen, yeah. I'm encouraged, Rob. Fun is not disappearing. Mm. Fun driving is not going away. I want to remind you guys of DriveShare from our friends at Haggerty. DriveShare is a car-sharing community that connects renters with the owners of cool cars. We're talking vehicles that elevate any occasion, like a wedding or a special celebration or even a vacation. Or you can just enjoy a dream ride, a car you've always wanted to drive. That's why I put my Lotus Elise on DriveShare, and many people have loved driving it. List your car to earn some extra money knowing you're covered by exceptional insurance and roadside service. Owners and renters can both rest easy and enjoy the ride. Visit DriveShare.com or download the app to rent or list a ride today. Andrew writes to us from nearby. He's in Kaysville, Utah. He writes to us about spending 10 years in a Prius, which is sort of like that 1997 Brad Pitt film, Seven Years in a Movie Theater. Seven Years in a Theater. Yeah, I heard about that one. He has been car obsessed since his next door neighbor took him for rides in his Ford Model A when he was four years old. Hmm. He spent most of his free time as a kid reading Motor Trend, a car and driver and lusting over Porsches and BMWs and Aston Martins and Ferraris. (laughs) The list, essentially. Yeah. His family owned eclectic cars growing up, including two 914s, a Saab Hmm. 93. There you go. And his own high school car, a 1987 Pontiac Fiero with a manual transmission and T-tops. I love this. He said all these cars were fun and interesting when they worked. But this is such a switch, man, because you graduated from college, decided it was time to, quote unquote, grow up and be responsible. And so you thought your car interest was immature. And you went and bought a Prius. <laughs> I think that's fascinating. You, yeah. you, you decided... and. and Everybody goes through this. You go through that stuff where you're growing up and you get into college and you you may have your wild years. You may not. You may do your wild years later. Some people never stop doing their wild years. That's true. 50-year-old person where you're like, you're not a frat boy anymore. Stop it. Exactly. That, that happens too. But but you you decided it was like that that line in the sand. You got out of college and decided it's time to be an adult and you actually counted car interest as childlike. Juvenile. Yeah. And bought a Prius. Well, he does say. Okay. All right. It's been a great car. It's of course, it's reliable. He can't get less than 40 miles per gallon, no matter how hard he tries. You are not trying hard enough. What you want to do <laughs> is never let off the gas. Control the motions of the car entirely with the brake. Your, your right foot is planted all uh-huh. the time. There you go. And then just control the Nothing car breaking. entirely with your brake. You want to go fast? Let off. You're going to need you a brake to... upgrade soon, but yeah. <laughs> That's true. 
He says it's spacious, it's done everything from off-roading to hauling lumber to road trips, but it's just so boring. Fast forward a few years, and he finds himself married to an understanding woman who is willing to let him indulge his car obsession. About a year and a half ago, they bought a 2019 ND2 Miata. He Love became it. a happy man. His wife even learned to drive manual. She's had a blast ripping around with the top down whenever the weather is nice. Love this. This is great. Now, she primarily drives the Prius these days. He dailies his Miata on his 30-mile round-trip commute. Even in Utah winters, mm-hmm. we applaud you. Bravo, man. It's really, really good. He says, snow tires are magic. I've been saying this. <laughs> yes, they Hi. are. Yes, they, good. Glad to have you with us. They definitely are. Although he enjoys the Miata as a daily, it definitely loses its magic when you're just cruising. Yes, with the top up. But f- so for the f- past few months, he's been thinking of picking up a dedicated winter commuter so that all of the Miata's miles can be just fun miles. Mm, okay. He has settled on a lightly used current gen Mini Cooper hatch. I love it. But then life threw them a bit of a curveball. His wife discovered that she's expecting their first child, and suddenly a Mini Cooper doesn't seem like the best choice for their growing family. Uh, Andrew, you know how that happens, right? <laughs> you, this, is, this is written like, yeah, I mean, you know, we went to the doctor, and she said, you know, they said she's expecting it. We just went, huh? How'd that happen? You know how that happens. I mean, congrats. But anyway, yeah, moving on. <laughs> well, so they'll move the Prius into the role of a winter commuter okay. and pick up a somewhat larger family car for his wife. After a great deal of thought, he has settled on the following set of requirements for this new family hauler. Okay. It needs to be reliable-ish. Reliable. If you can see reliable from here, it, it mostly is perfect. Now, I, I do want to say, and I want to encourage you here, Andrew, the, the Prius has been perfect, and of course it has. Those are known to be unbelievably reliable. Yeah. yeah. So I like that you're not putting a Prius level of reliability and, and lack of drama on this next car. That's what I define as reliable-ish. That's very good. Well, he's not afraid of maintenance, but major, major repairs are not his favorite. They're my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I've appreciated all the people that have watched the cost, the cost piece and have, have just had a really big sit-down moment when you cover the cost yeah. of the 928. But at the same time, and I want to encourage you here too, man, a lot of people have encouraged you, and it is amazing yeah, because have. you have learned that car. You used it not, o- yeah. you used it not only as a 928 that you liked, but you kind of, with much cost and time, have used it like... A car tech school. Yeah, you have okay. learned cars like crazy in general, and that car in specific, by pulling the engine of a car and chasing all the rabbit trails for when it needs something, we need to do it. And you have come out of it, because I've noticed this in casual conversations. Bloody, poor. Yes, all of those things. <laughs> covered in new cuss Covered words. in grease. But at the same time, you have a, a general deeper understanding that I'm certain surpasses mine of cars in general because you've been in there up to your knuckle, knuckles, elbows, shoulders. I in like an knuckle. Knuckles. <laughs> <Up to> your, <laughs> you've been up to your knuckle. It's, it's a, there's a lot going on. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, that's good. You're right. Thank you for saying so. I appreciate it. But it's been hard on me to rewatch that video. Uh, yeah, but it, thank you all for your for it's commiserating. Hard, it's hard on us watching it, honestly. <laughs> it I appreciate all your your encouragement and suggestions. And some people are blown away and some people are scoffing and say you could have had an insert car here. And yes, you're right. But I wouldn't have had that car. Yeah, you're right. I'm waiting for 928s to go up in value now. Hopefully they do. <laughs> we'll see about that. Number two on the list is the car should be newish. Okay. It should at least have heated seats and Bluetooth audio. Okay, so probably last five years is what we're talking about. Say, yeah, at least at least 20 years, within 20 years. Efficient-ish. It needs to get 30 miles a gallon on the highway. Okay. I like the ish after everything We're getting, we're getting close to these targets, Andrew. Right. That's what I like. It's good. All right. Number four-ish. 
It needs to be big enough to put two average-sized adults in front, a car seat in back, and a hyperactive 40-pound Britney Spaniel in the cargo area. You can also put dogs in back seats. I just want that noted. That's true. They don't have to be in the cargo area. They can go in back seats. Be sure to visit our friends at Covercraft so you can coat mm-hmm. your back seat in dog-proofingness. And also, then they have ways for you to keep said dog in the back seat because you're thinking that it's going to jump in your lap. I've, I've experienced this. There's that. And Just I'll use give a bunch you a, of bungee cords, like lash that thing down. I'll give you a trick. If you put your rear-facing uh, child seat in the center, it blocks the dog. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now the dog might try to crawl over the child. We got, we got issues. You'll, you'll get there. It, is this that is, food? This is the joy of parenting. No, that, that, the dog, dog does clean up. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, the dog does clean up. But you know he's going to be you know, right in the child's face trying I had, to eat with the dog. Yes, the well, they're all going to get along. It's going to be great. I, I had friends who had a couple of kids, and they had a very old dog. They had a couple of kids under 10, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And sometime when, the, when the, the youngest of the two was still like just getting out of the high chair, their older dog died. Okay. And they mentioned to my wife and I how they had no idea how much the dog had been cleaning up. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Because now it was like, why is the floor constantly dirty? Because the dog isn't here. Oh, the that's dog funny. Was constantly cleaning, like following the kids around, going, "I can eat that too. I can eat that too." <laughs> is that why it died? <laughs> I don't know. No, no, no. The dog was just genuinely old. Okay, good. But it was just the family vacuum. <laughs> it just occurred to me, like, no, no, wait, that they could had, have been a contributing factor. No, no, factor. they had no idea how much just <laughs> dropped food the dog was just scooping <laughs> up all the time. So it'll keep your, okay. your, your child clean. It's going to be great. Moving on with the list. Number five, it needs to have decent driving dynamics. Number six, it needs to have a good automatic transmission. No CVTs. Okay. And number seven, I love how everybody just points their arrows at me. Mm-hmm. Under 25000 that's a hard limit, Paul, apparently. The Minister of Finance is hesitant to even spend that much. If it were up to her, she would buy a used CRV and be done with it. Okay. Please do not buy a CRV. Please, 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 <laughs> you're please. Not, you're not a fan. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nope. Now, Andrew realizes there's about a million CUVs and SUVs that fit these requirements. But there's one more thing he needs. Mm-hmm. Personality. Okay. His morning commute is a vast sea of bland, monochromatic automotive appliances. And although he sees the practical appeal of these vehicles, he just can't do it. Ten years in a Prius is enough for anybody. Okay, yeah, you have served your time there. I'll give that to you, yeah. <laughs> I, I sentence you to time serve yes. plus three more years in a <laughs> the new know. Prius. He said he's actually <laughs> intrigued now by European luxury wagons. Ooh. He said, we don't off-road. He prefers the styling and dynamics of wagons over CUVs. If money were no object, he'd pick up the Volvo V60 plug-in hybrid, which those Ooh. are very cool. Yeah. But even at the very cheapest, they are well, well out of the budget. He has rejected the E-Class wagon. He said they seem stuffy and pretentious, which is interesting. Huh. Other Volvos he doesn't like. The Porsche Cayenne, because he's heading me off at the pass, said, don't go there. <laughs> That's true. They're way- he, he said, Todd, stop it. <laughs> I will not do a Cayenne. They're too common. He kind of is intrigued by the Audi Allroad, but he said, maybe they're bland. I don't know. So his current front runner is actually great. The F30 BMW 330i Wagon. He said he's always loved BMW since James Bond. He likes the F30 styling. The dynamics are supposed to be good. The B48 engine is also found in the four-liter, pardon me, the four-cylinder Supra. He's like, if it's good enough for all of these things, I would like to have one of those. But what am I missing? Hmm. He found a BMW wagon. You're shopping wagons, Andrew. That's awesome. 
That is a great choice because I went and looked and you have your choice for under $25,000. There's a lot of, they're out there. Yeah. Yeah. That is great. So we'll leave that as the top choice. But if you do want some other suggestions and you don't want to pull the motor out and do anything to it <laughs> before you put it back in. Wouldn't we start calling that pulling a pole? <clears throat> so I'm looking at the car, decided to pull a pole. <laughs> I thought that was Paul Parking. No, or that, washing your car. You're just redefining it, man. Okay, We're getting, we, right. We've got certified Paul parking. We've got certified Paul owned. <laughs> we've now got pulling a Paul, which is do, pulling the engine. Paul I'm, bo- I'm boring over here. Sheesh. I'm telling you. I am going to start out with the Kia Seltos. Oh, okay. All right. Because when we drove that, well, then it was 21,000 is where it started. It now starts at 22,590, but it's got a dual clutch transmission in it yeah. and a great little engine. It's yeah. cool. I like the styling. I'm intrigued, Andrew, by design teams and designers getting handed a dirty diaper, saying, okay, you're going to design a $22,000 SUV. You got to keep the price down. You want to make it look cool. We got to sell these things. Mm -hmm. They need to go out the door like Mm -hmm. Pringles. (laughs) Make it hot. Go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that design assignment intrigues me. And yes, in the wrong colors, it's a sea of blandness. But it does come in that yellow. I. It's the yellow. It's it's nearly urine color. I hate to say it, but yeah. it's not a great color. But it does give you hope that it will come in a decent color. It's like music video gold metallic with a anyway. All right, so <laughs> <laughs> the Neo Hybrid also starts at twenty four thousand dollars, a bit more wagon like. Okay. The reason I suggest that is a starting place is because they're going to run. They're new. Get a warranty. Yeah. They're actually kind of spicy. They're they're mini spice. All right. They're just. <laughs> Lightly spicy. Spice-ish. They're spice-ish. Yeah, there we go. In keeping with Andrew's nomenclature here. I do like the Audi All-Road. You can get a 2014 Premium Plus with 69,000 miles for 23.9. But if you're going to start asking for wagons, be careful because I will assign you a Jetta Sport Wagon and you don't want one of those. Well, with the manual, I mean, maybe. They're, they're okay. Well, maybe, maybe. I mean, I'm sure they still have the, the rev hang issues that we loved on that car. But yeah, the, yeah, the sport same. wagon was, was a unique breed for a while. It, it was a unique breed, and it was actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I actually like the off-road version, the all-road version, a little bit better. I just thought it looked chunkier, and they're pretty good price. Okay? <laughs> okay. I really want to suggest 90s Volvo 850R wagons. Yeah. Can you get it in the old racing livery? Just for fun. Uh, you can wrap it. <laughs> I found one at Selden Motors in Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. They've got a 1996 850R wagon with 77,000 kilometers, 48,000 miles for 16.9. It's mm. low enough miles compared to, let's say, you go get a modern BMW wagon like you're looking at with 48,000 miles. This one's a lot cheaper. It's black on black. Now, I understand that taking care of a almost 30 year old Volvo five cylinder engine. <laughs> You don't want to pull that sucker out either. Don't pull a Paul on your Volvo <laughs> wagon. Got it. Yeah. So my main choice for you, Andrew, okay. that does check all the boxes is a brand new Mazda CX-30 or Mazda 3 hatchback. Oh, okay. Think of this as the great compromise. Mm-hmm. I know you're interested in those Euro wagons. I know you are. But you've got that Miata. You've got the fun car. Mm-hmm. And I do like how the CX-30 drives. I like how the Mazda 3 drives. Yeah, They're still yeah. fun. And even though they're a little smaller than the wagon that you're looking at, I think it's going to do it all. And I think your minister of finance will like the fact that they're new warranty. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. not the Euro. Uh Oh, we're going to have to go sure, buy sure. parts from Munich. <laughs> Let's go to Europe, honey. I've bought a lot of parts from Stuttgart, by the way. Yes, of course you did. And 
it's just going to drive fun. It's going to be a car you can look forward to. Yeah, you want to take yeah. that for a fun spirited drive? You can. You want to commute in that? You can. It'll do great in winter. It's useful, but it's compact enough to still be fun. That's what I think you should look for, even though it's not Euro, but it's got such great refinement in both of those. Mm. And it keeps the price down. And it's still new. I almost think new is the way to go for you, Andrew. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have it for a while and you're doing the family reliable car, I can see that argument. That's very good. I like the BMW, Mm -hmm. but I'm just not sure you're there. And I think your focus is changing. And you still have Miata. Yeah. You still have it. It's not like you don't have that. Yes. Agreed. Yes. But your focus with the family, the growing family is changing. So Mm -hmm. this is my thought for you. I like it. I'm going to start with my alts because they're close to where you ended. And then I'm going to go to a couple that I don't think you've thought about, Andrew. And I think you should. First off, in the alt category, it is those hatches. It is the Mazda 3 and the GTI, the Volkswagen Golf, essentially. Now, what I'd like for you to do is get the Mazda 3 turbo hatch. But new, those are low to Mm -hmm, mm mid-30s. And with the current used car market, they're still low to Mm mid-30s. So that's out of it. The other thing is the Golf R, the prior-gen Golf R, the Mark 7, with the DSG, the thing about both of these okay. hatches is that you're, th- you're thinking you need wagon space. I think these hatches have more room than you realize. Yeah. yeah. So that's the reason Great. that I think they're both interesting alts. Now, they're slightly above your budget. I don't know you know, how far back do you want to shop, what's going to happen to the market in the next 12 months. I can't speak to any of those things. But the, the Golf has always succeeded because it has a shocking amount of rear passenger space and then still has a good hatch. Yeah. And the Mazda 3 is almost that good. So I think you should definitely consider those. Now we're into wagons and not, uh, not ac- pardon me, hatches and not actual wagons. But then I think you've got some wagon adjacent cars that you haven't considered. They're wagonish. Wagonish. If we stay with it, Andrew. Love it. The, look, the BMW is a very good choice, but two others that are in your price point, if you buy them used Audi A7s. Okay. You don't have a tall person sitting in the back, which is where that car falls down, and it has a decent-sized hatch. Okay, I like it. Audi A7, and in that same category, the Kia Stinger. Yeah. Get one of those used. I think Audi A7 or Kia Stinger are both really, really competent alts to you considering that BMW. I think you'd like the BMW. Most of those wagons that I'm finding, I don't know if they all are this, so somebody will correct me. I'm not sure you can get them in non-X-Drive. I think they're all X-Drive. Hmm. And the, look. The, the thing about the, the BMW lineup is once you get X-Drive, it typically loses a little bit of steering magic. They're still very yeah, good, yeah. but it loses a little bit of steering fun. I think that makes the A7 even more viable. And the Kia Stinger is genuinely fun, man. You've got to look at both of those. And hopefully, Andrew, something gets you your fun family car. Our friends at Griot's Garage have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. You can start with the new Ceramic Wash and Coat, an ultra-slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, the foaming sprayer, the cannon, or whatever Paul has come up with now. We take Speed Shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and now it has ceramic protection too. Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days. And they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products individually or use them as your new wash routine. They're 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products from Griot's are made in the USA. And don't forget to use the new code EDRIVER when you're ordering from griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's Griot's, G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. 
Martin starts off the questions he's writing in from Facebook going, with so many people talking about the price of gas, what are a couple of fuel-efficient recommendations we have for people shopping for a fun-to-drive car? This is a Miata is always the answer moment. <laughs> they get over 30 miles a gallon. Sure. They always have. Sure, yeah. You can go buy yourself a Miata and get, depending upon how you drive and where you drive, up here at altitude, we never seem to do nearly as well with all of our hills and all. But I know plenty of people that are pulling mid-30s in a Miata. I mean, how how good you need the gas mileage to be because that's really competitive and it is full-on fun car. Do you notice Austin Shredder on Instagram is stopping by to say that he appreciates us encouraging financial responsibility in the latest <laughs> podcast. He is a credit analyst and commercial lender and he often sees poor financial decisions with cars. He says it is possible to have fun and be smart with your money. We normally aren't that mature. Exactly. Like we did a halfway caught decent us on an job. off day. Yeah, Austin. exactly. We did a halfway decent it's job. A weird day. Look for you. Seth Kleinman is asking, any chance of us driving the road in Hawking Hills, roads in Hawking Hills on our way to Philly? Seth, that's on the list. I don't know if we will do it or not. Originally, when we weren't going to go to Radwood, Philly, we were actually going to go to Hawking Hills as our destination for the East Coast trip. I have looked through all of those roads. They're fascinating. I would like to drive some of them. We're just going to see what our route does and if we can get there, because I would still actually like to. I just, we got to get to Philly, too. It's 2,000 miles from here. <laughs> we got some fun stops along the way, though. Co Riss on Instagram says, did we consult with Savage Geese on our car purchases? <laughs> <laughs> this has come up a couple of times. Uh, Jack uh, on uh, Savage Geese, but it's Jack the Ethnically Ambiguous, I think is his avatar there on Instagram. He, he's talked back and forth with us on private messages. Here's the thing you have to know is that Paul and I were there with Jack and Mark at the exact same Toyota GR86 launch. And we talked as a foursome. We talked about the fact that their channel and our channel had both become known for owning the first gen. And we sat there, the four of us together, and talked about the fact that we were both channels thinking about buying another one because we were known for having the first gen. Mm. And we kind of laughed and we kind of talked about it and we all kind of went away. And then unbeknownst to both of us, we did both order them and we happened to both order the same color. And I think none of us were even were more surprised than the other. We were like, what just happened? What? What?" Because when Paul and I, we had actually just heard that ours was supposedly coming from arriving in Long Beach to Salt Lake when Jack dropped his first picture of his. Yeah. And I called Paul and I went, well, it looks like we consulted even though we really didn't, but that's happening. <laughs> The question on Twitter from Matt D, who says, stock up or stock down? Three major manufacturers we're currently bullish on, mm. three we're bearish on. Not investment-wise, but a general feeling on the company both now and over the next few years. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to start with bearish. And the three that I'm bearish on currently are Volkswagen. Not okay. Volkswagen Group, per se, because my beloved Porsche is in Volkswagen I'm Group. Aware. You mean Volkswagen proper. Volkswagen, the company, and their offerings for Volkswagen, especially in the U.S. I feel like they're still in the midst of leaving their past behind, which is the not too distant past and trying to become the leader that they once were in fun cars. We've got something for everybody because they've got this Taos that it just isn't good. <laughs> and they're trying to figure out their electric offerings yeah. with an interface that is turning at least journalists off, but I think consumers off. It's, new, yeah. it's not yeah. good either. There's too many, there's too big of a black and white for Volkswagen's offerings right now. It's either, wow, that's really good and fun. The GTI and the Golf R, really good and fun. Yeah. And some of their other offerings that are really not good and fun. And then they're plaguing their lineup with that new interface, which seems to be kind of universally disliked on electrics and non. Exactly. I still think they're figuring themselves out and mm -hmm. they've got a good product offering for every category of size of car that you sure. could want. 
That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just yeah. talking about the general styling, what's next for their look. It feels stale right now, and it doesn't feel like we're seeing the future from them. Now, I will say, the buzz is a glimmer of hope. It does look cool. Yeah. Because that is something nobody else can do. Yeah. And when good. car companies start figuring that out, which mm. this is the glimmer of hope. So I'm mostly bearish, but that that buzz is intriguing to me. No other car company is going to take that on because Volkswagen's like, we got this. They've got the history. We got yeah. the bus thing yeah, down. For sure. Yeah. So keep doing that, Volkswagen. The second is the Stellantarians. Ask mm. your doctor if Stellantis is right for you. <laughs> Doesn't it sound like we're that? All, we're all going to space. As Stellantarians, it's going to be great. Yeah. They don't know what to do with various products, mm. but I'm also not saying... Put everything on two or three platforms and just build variations across all your brands for Lancia, Maserati, Alfa Romeo, Chrysler, everything. Don't do that. <laughs> but they've got so many brands in their portfolio. There's so much crossover and they mm-hmm. don't know what to do with Chrysler. I think they're probably as surprised as we are that they're still making Chryslers. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. We have Chrysler? <laughs> exactly. Why did nobody tell me? I didn't know that still existed. I feel like they haven't corralled and and given the automotive world a clear vision of here's what's coming. We know Dodge is going to come out with something cool, but we know Ram trucks are still going to be cool, but it seems like everybody's still operating independently. It doesn't seem cohesive. And then that's the other thing. If they become too cohesive, they have so many different divergent brands. How are they going to keep all those brands divergent enough Mm -hmm. that they matter? Mm-hmm. Because if you buy every single brand of the Stellantis and it feels like exactly the same car, what's the point? I don't have a I'm middle ground. I don't really have a big uh, standout number three in my bearish category. But from a bullish standpoint, absolutely Toyota. Mm. Holy cow. Are they nailing everything just like Hyundai Kia Genesis is nailing everything mm-hmm. right now. Whether it is future product offerings from an electric standpoint, what they have teased – that huge 18, 20 car reveal that Toyota just did a few months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, yes, you guys are thinking. Mm. You've got something for every category, something for the enthusiasts, something for family haulers. You guys are thinking. That is fantastic. I do like the sub brands of, you know, I love Porsche, Audi. I think what they're doing is pretty interesting. I'm not sure that I fully agree with Audi's stake in the ground of going everything electric, mm. but at least they've got this stake in the ground and they're. You know, this is the way they're going and like us or don't. But they also have, know that they're not trying to be a brand for everyone. Mm. Just like Jaguar Land Rover. Even they, that Jaguar Land Rover might be a little bit on my bearish category. That might be the third one. Yeah, I think over there. I have two to add. Okay. In the bearish category, right now I'm going to put GM. Are you? And I say that because GM is struggling like Volkswagen is struggling. Okay. Give me an example. I, I think it's fascinating that the Bolt is very good. The C8 is very good. The Hummer is interesting. We haven't driven it, so I can't say if it's good or not, but it's at least interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When GM steps outside of the flow of how they normally operate and they let people chase a target, the Bolt, the C8, the Hummer, they make really cool stuff. And it's executed very, very well. Okay. But the stuff that they make that's in the flow, that's like the we're cranking out cars, doesn't feel like they're sure where to be. And then in contrast, on the bullish side, is Ford. Yeah, for sure. Who for sure. I have, I've struggled with Ford for years. But okay. right now, I think Ford is on the rise because they are restructuring themselves. It's that Ford uh, Model E thing that they're doing. Yeah. They're restructuring themselves to have an electric side and a non-electric side. They're doing interesting product on both sides. They aren't making cars anymore, which I find crazy with the exception of the Mustang. But then they're releasing things like the Maverick 
which feels like you really figured out a thing you aren't selling that you need to sell and you made it well. Okay. And it's not okay. even electric. Yeah, I can see that. They're offering it as a hybrid. They're offering it as a gas. Of course, they have the F-150 that just kind of is self-perpetuating cash machine. But, you know, so they have all that stuff. And then they're also trying to think about what are our future offerings. And they come up with something like the Mach-E, which, you know what, is genuinely really good. Mm-hmm. In, in the same mm-hmm. couple of years, they have released the Maverick and the Mach-E, both of which are very different products. Clearly, they sat down and figured out who their audience was. And both are executed really well which they feel like they're executed with an awareness of what the rest of the market is doing while still being a Ford product. Whereas GM, if they with the skunk works is killing it yeah, and the rest yeah. of the company's not sure where to be. That's interesting. Cause it feels like the Ford F-150 lightning, even though it's just an F-150 and it's been around forever, it still has that fresh feeling. It does. Yeah. Just from how they're approaching it and rethinking things, even though it's going to look like an F-150. Ford's Ford's Bronco. I'm excited about. Yeah, the Bronco could not have gone better. It could not have gone better for them, both in excitement and then the way they released it. I mean, granted, they can't get them built fast enough. So you know, sending you a hammock to hang in there. They're not perfect. There's a flag for your hammock, but a lot, (laughs) a flag and a hammock. It's going to be great. Hang in there. We sure appreciate all your questions. Thank you so much. We always look forward to hearing from you. Whether it is your topic Tuesdays, like Rob's at the top of the podcast, where he. Got into a deep, dark, existential hole. and <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to help you out, Rob. We really are. Write to us, TV at gmail.com with Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and most of all, your car debates. Yep. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.